If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 7. If you don't, uh, then look over someone's shoulder. 1 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to give attention to the whole chapter as, uh, as I thought about what to bring to you by way of encouragement on this occasion of your 25th anniversary, I, I came to this text, a text that you may know from the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, because it's in that second stanza of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, you sing, uh, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. Well, that comes right out of 1 Samuel 7, 12, uh, where Samuel raises the Ebenezer stone, the stone of help, on the occasion of this great victory over the Philistines, and he says, Hitherto, uh, thus far, the Lord has brought us. In other words, he gives testimony to the fact that it's the Lord in his kind providence that has delivered them from their enemies, the oppressors, the Philistines, and he, and he gives public testimony to that. And I thought, this, this is a good passage for us to go on the 25th anniversary of the church as we think about expressing to God thanks for his providence over Potomac Hills Presbyterian Church for the last 25 years. It is a big deal for the Lord to keep a family together for 25 years. It's even a bigger deal for the Lord to keep a family of families together for 25 years because it's easy to get on one another's nerves in a family, isn't it? You know, well, you, can, you can love one another in a family and still get on one another's nerves. Well, in a family of families, that's even more multiplied. So for the Lord to keep together a family for 25 years is a great thing. And it's something that we ought to acknowledge as a mark of the goodness of his providence. I quoted this week and tweeted this out. Uh, I always love, if I'm preaching on a passage, to read what did Charles Simeon say about this passage if he preached on the text. And so I always check and see if there's a Charles Simeon sermon on a passage before I preach it because I learned so much from him. And his first sentence in his sermon on this passage is, in the generality of men, there is a very culpable inattention to the ways of providence. Now, what a beautiful, elegant English sentence written by a 19th century Englishman who ministered in Cambridge. What does he mean by that? He means that very often we do not stop and pay attention and acknowledge what God is doing in his providence in our lives. We miss things. We, we don't realize, boy, the Lord has been with us. The Lord has helped us. The Lord has blessed us and then raise up in our own hearts a, a stone of help to, to remind us of what the Lord has done on our behalf. And in this passage, we're actually encouraged to do that. And so let's give attention to God's Word. I'm going to read the whole passage, though my focus is going to be on the 12th verse. So before we read, let's pray and ask for God's help and blessing. Heavenly Father, uh, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, and they fall, but your word stands forever. Sanctify us with truth. Your word is truth. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for teaching 
reproof, correction, training in righteousness that we may be equipped for every good work. So speak, Lord, your servants listen. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the word of God. Hear it in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1. And the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill. And they consecrated his son Eleazar to have charge of the ark of the Lord. From the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath-Jerim, a long time passed, some 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel said to all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now, when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Car. Then... Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel, the cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath, and Israel delivered their territory out of the hand of the Philistines. There was a peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went on a circuit year by year to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and he judged Israel in all these places then he would return to Ramah, for his home was there, and there he also judged Israel. And he built there an altar to the Lord. But it's this verse I want us to concentrate on. Look back to verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name 
Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. Amen. And thus ends this reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he write its eternal truth upon all our hearts. Perhaps you've already caught a little bit of the context here. Israel has been under constant incursion by and attack from and occupation by their Philistine enemies. The Philistines were different from the Canaanites. Uh, many of the Canaanite tribes feared the Philistines just like they feared the Israelites, but they were occupants of the land and they were a constant threat to Israel for many, many years after the days of Moses and Joshua. And in Samuel's day, for years and years, large portions of Israel's territory had been occupied by Philistines. And the people, we're told in this passage, had been really groaning and lamenting about this for 20 years. And they realized that this was in part God's judgment against them because of their sin. They were worshiping the Baals, just like the Canaanites were. They were worshiping at the Ashtoreth pole, uh, just like the Canaanites were. And God was, was judging them. He was punishing them for their sins. And so they, they say, Lord, would you help us? Samuel, would you pray for us? And Samuel says, yes, I will. It's, 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 it's every pastor's dream when somebody comes to him and says, Pastor, I realize I've been walking far from the Lord. Would you pray for me that the Lord would bring me back to him? Pastors love to be able to do that. And that's what happens. Samuel has been teaching the people God's word. And they don't seem to be listening for 20 years. They keep on worshiping other gods. And finally they come to Samuel and they say, Samuel, we've sinned. Would you pray for us that the Lord would be gracious and lift this impression off of us? And Samuel says, of course I will. Meet me at Mizpah. And so he calls them down to Mizpah and he offers up a sacrifice and he talks to them about repentance. And there's this grand worship service where they're going to repent of their sins and a sacrifice is going to be offered for them. And while they're there, wouldn't you know it, the Philistines decide to attack. And of course, you can understand this from the Philistines' perspective. They hear that all the Israelites have gathered in one place in Mizpah, and they think they're not thinking they're there for a worship service. They're not, they're not thinking that they're there for a revival. They're not, there, uh, they're not thinking that they're there for some sort of a religious purpose. They think they're gathering in order to attack them. And so the Philistines say, well, they're all at Mizpah getting ready to attack us. Let's go attack them. And so while the worship service is going on, the Philistines begin an attack. And Samuel cries out to the Lord for help. And the Lord sends that help in a miraculous way. In fact, this passage sounds a lot like the passage where Joshua fights on behalf of the Gibeonites back in Joshua 9 and 10. You remember how that happens? The Gibeonites make a covenant with Israel while all the other Canaanite tribes decide to fight against Israel. And after the Gibeonites make a covenant with Israel, the other Canaanite tribes try to attack the Gibeonites. And Joshua and the men of Israel go out to defend the Gibeonites. But what we're told, that God threw rocks from heaven against the enemies of the Gibeonites. And it's a, it's a picture of a gigantic 
thunderstorm and hailstorm where God is raining down confusion upon the enemies of the Gibeonites. And it sounds like something like that happened here. The Lord thundered from heaven, great sounds of thunder, a great storm broke upon them, and he threw them into confusion. And then the men of Israel, who weren't really there to fight, pick up their arms and they chase after the Philistines and they defeat them, they rout them. And furthermore, we're told, really, the Philistines were not much of a problem for the rest of Samuel's life and ministry. You know, on and off throughout much of the Old Testament, the, Philippian, the, the uh, Philistines are a big headache for the, for the people of God. But during the rest of this time of Samuel's ministry, the Philistine threat is pretty much sidelined. You'll, you'll remember during the days of Saul and David, the Philistines are a big problem. But during this portion of Samuel's ministry, we're told for the rest of this time, uh, they're not much of a problem. And so because of this, verse 12, Samuel says, we've got to remember this. We've got to memorialize this. We've got to acknowledge to the Lord what he has done for us. And so he takes a stone and he calls it Ebenezer, which just means the stone of help. Now, it doesn't mean that the stone helped them. It means that the stone is to remember the Lord's help to them. You know in Genesis, the Lord is called the stone or the rock of Israel. Well, here uh, Samuel is taking a stone to remind Israel of the way that the Lord had helped him. You remember when the children of Israel come across the Jordan and the, and the Jordan is parted and they come into the promised land and they set up stones in the middle of the Jordan to remember how the Lord had brought them in. Samuel's doing the same thing. He's saying, we can't forget what the Lord has done for us. We, were, we would have been done for if the Lord had not, in his providence, looked out for us. So what, what he's doing is the opposite of what Charles Simeon warns about in his sermon. If there is a general inattention and a culpable inattention to God's providence in the generality of men, what Samuel is saying is we cannot be inattentive and fail to acknowledge the Lord's providence in our life. And that's what happens here. And I'd like to apply this to you in four ways today. Uh, just by way of encouragement. Uh, not only in your personal lives, but as a congregation that's been together. Many of you from, for, uh, from the very beginning for 25 years. And, uh, and let, me give you, let me just tell you the four words as the outline. The first thing is, of course, gratitude. You know, what, what's the proper response to God's providence in your life? Gratitude. You're, you're thankful. Uh, secondly, uh, witness. Uh, you want to bear witness with uh, God's providence in your life to other people. You want them to appreciate how God has worked in your own life and in your congregation. So gratitude and witness. Third, motivation. Gratitude, witness, motivation. Uh, God's providence is a motivation for us to live the Christian life. And then finally, trust. God's providence in your life ought to lead you to trust him in the future. So let's look at those four things together by way of application of this passage. Uh, Samuel lifts up a stone 
to bear witness to how God's providence has worked in the lives of the Philistines. And one of our responses to God's providence in our lives, whether it's the 25th anniversary of our church, or whether, frankly, whether it's something like remembering when we were saved. I have a lot of friends who remember the exact date and occasion when they are saved. And they will often, on the anniversary of their coming to faith in Christ, they might put something out on social media or they might mention it to me in, in conversation. And what are they doing? They're expressing gratitude for the Lord saving them, changing their lives, changing their hearts, convicting them of sin, bringing them to faith in Christ, setting them on the way to salvation. And I, that's incredibly encouraging to me uh, to hear. And it, what a good practice for them. And of course, in this passage, the offering up of the sacrifice, it, it's clear that for Israel to be right with God, a sacrifice has to be made. And that in and of itself points to the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is the sacrifice necessary that we might be reconciled to God and saved from our sins. And so uh, an example of this is Robert Robinson's great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. He is expressing ingratitude. He is raising an Ebenezer in his heart to show and remember his gratitude for what the Lord has done in his life. In the second stanza of that song, he, he says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And what, what does he mean, hither, uh, what does he mean, here I raise my Ebenezer? Well, he tells you in the rest of the stanza, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, and he, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. So what he's doing is he's saying, Lord, I don't want ever to forget that. I don't want ever to forget that I was wandering and I was in danger and Jesus came and sought me and got me and brought me home. And he interposed his precious blood. And what is he doing? He's just expressing gratitude. Well, all of us need to, need to build those little Ebenezers in our hearts to remember. And that, that's not the only way, of course, that the Lord, but that's, that's surely one of the greatest ways that the Lord shows his providence to us as he changes his heart. I love, uh, pastors get to do lots of weddings, and I, I, I love to hear men give this kind of testimony. The second greatest blessing that God has ever given me is my wife. The first greatest blessing, of course, is salvation through Jesus Christ. And I, I love to hear men give that testimony because it, it gives a proper appreciation for what a great blessing uh, a man's wife is to him. And hopefully he's a blessing to her too. But he gives testimony, Lord, you couldn't have given me a greater blessing than my wife. And then he gives testimony, the greatest blessing of all, salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I love to get to hear those kinds of testimonies. Well, Robinson is doing that here. He's saying, Lord, in your kind providence, you saved me. I was wandering. I was in danger, and you saved me. And this is something that we ought to do. And you know what? It's not just something that happens in good times either. Um, Diane Sartell, her, her last name is now Carol because she's remarried, Diane Sartell was the wife of Mike Sartell, who was the pastor of a little church in Yazoo City, Mississippi. Yes, there really is a place called Yazoo City, Mississippi. 
And um, Mike, in fact, some of you may know the Sartells because, um, because the Sartells ministered in Virginia for many years. And John, uh, the, the son, ministered in Memphis, Tennessee, and it's quite a famous family. Cortez Cooper married into that family, and some of you will know the name Cortez Cooper and, and ministered in uh, the, the Shenandoah Valley of uh, Virginia for many years. Well, Mike and his family were on the way back from seeing his brother John in Memphis on Interstate 55 on uh, New Year's Day of 1992, driving down the road, and uh, a young woman who had, who had received a gift of a, of a new Honda Accord for Christmas lost control of her car, crossed the interstate, hit them head on, killed Mike and their youngest child immediately. Uh, Diane was in the front seat, the passenger seat. The other two children were in the back seat. All of them had to be taken, and they were taken to different hospitals. Uh, it was such a serious accident. And um, when Diane came to two days later, you know, one of the first questions she started asking is, where's Mike? Where's Nate? Where's Preston? Where's Catherine? And they wouldn't answer her for a while because she, she was in such physical difficulty herself because of the accident. Finally, when she was strong enough to know, and she, as you might imagine, she kept asking, where are they? Where are they? Uh, finally, they said, Kath, uh, they, they said, Diane, Mike's dead. Nate's dead. Catherine and Preston are alive, but they, they have really been hurt badly, and you're all in different hospitals. Now, what, what would pop into your mind when you'd receive news like that? Let me tell you what Diane Sartell, pastor's wife, PCA pastor's wife, said. She looked at the doctor, and she said, the Lord is good in all he does. Now, what, what she, it wasn't that what had happened was good. But she knew God's goodness to her, and she believed in that goodness even in that awful situation. Well, th there, there's one way you raise an Ebenezer in your heart even in a time of trouble. She bears witness that she trusted the goodness of God. Now, now by the way, in God's kind providence, her daughter Catherine and, and her husband just finished RTS in Jackson a year ago and are serving the Lord. And Diane married uh, after the death of Mike and, uh, and then the, the, the death of the, the wife of a dear ruling elder friend of theirs in the congregation who died of cancer. She and that ruling elder were remarried and they've had 20 happy years of, of marriage together. So God in his own kindness. And, and Preston, I saw Preston at a PCA church in Birmingham not long ago where he's serving the Lord. So the Lord has preserved that family in remarkable ways through a hard time, but there in a time of trouble, she lifted up a, an, an Ebenezer stone and just said, the Lord is my help, and the Lord is good. And I acknowledge that even in this awful situation. So gratitude to God's providence is something we ought to, uh, we, we, we want to work on that in our hearts, to express gratitude to God. Because we're, we're quick to remember the hard things, and we're quick to forget the good things that the Lord does us. The second thing is witness. We, we want to witness to others to the goodness of God to us. We want to bear witness to others. Just like Diane's witness, boy, that encouraged me to hear that story. I became the interim pastor of that congregation for a year. Uh, the seminary was pretty close, and uh, about 
30, 40 miles away from Yazoo City. So Ann and I would drive up uh, Highway 49 to uh, Yazoo City, uh, typically on a Friday or a Saturday, and spend the whole weekend there. I'd do visitation and, and, and then would preach on Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And, and what a blessing that was. But I, I got to hear testimony after testimony in the congregation to the Lord's goodness to them in times of trouble. And what did that end up doing to me? It encouraged me. So remember that the Lord's goodness to you doesn't just belong to you. It's there for you to encourage the people of God. Uh, sometimes your testimony to the Lord's goodness can help others along. So even as we're thankful to God for preserving and prospering Potomac Hills for 25 years, you want to be thinking about testifying to others about the Lord's kindness and goodness to you individually and collectively so that they are encouraged. Some of the, the greatest encouragements I've had in life have been from other believers who have shared how the Lord encouraged them and helped them and showed him uh, his goodness, even in times of trouble. Another story from Yazoo City. Um, a, a, a dear young woman that I met there in Yazoo City was named Margaret Dubois. And Margaret was a nurse, and her uh, youngest child fell into a swimming pool while she was on the second shift at Forest General Hospital. And they don't know how long her little boy was in that pool, two years old. They found him face down, not breathing. They got him out. They tried to, do, uh, they tried to resuscitate him. He was airlifted to the pediatric intensive care unit at Blair Batson Hospital in Jackson, Mississippi, the only pediatric. PIC unit in the state. He lingered for two days and died in her arms. And I was there when that little boy died. And Margaret looked up at me and she said, you know, through, with, with a mother's heart of love, through tears of faith in God, she looked up at me and she said, Ligon, can we sing the doxology? And I you know, I, at, at that moment, I felt I'm on holy ground. I, I, do not, I do not have any business being in a room with a woman as godly as this. To, to have lost her child, and she still, she was just, it was like being around Job. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And she was ready to sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, you can tell, I still remember, I will never forget that moment as long as I live. And she, in her trust in God's providence, even in that time of her loss, what did she do? She bore witness to me. She, she showed me something that has stayed with me forever. Friends, don't let your friends not get to see those things in your life. Share those things. Tell people those things. We need those things. It is to say, it, life can be hard. Your friends are beset by many discouragements and difficulties in life. They need those testimonies. Bear witness to God's providence in your life. Tell them about the providence of God to your church. Tell them about God's providence to your family. Tell them about God's providence to you in your life. Bear witness in those moments. Her faith, even in the midst of the loss of her child, huge impact on me. I mean, I, I, one thing I started thinking, Lord, help me be like Margaret. I want to be more like Margaret when I grow up. Uh, that, that was a woman who was younger than me, but incredibly spiritually wise and strong, even in the midst of trouble. 
By the way, I was just preaching in Yazoo City two weeks ago, and one of her cousin came up to me after the service, and, and he said, I've heard you mention uh, my cousin Margaret before. And I said, yes, I do. I mention her all the time because of the impact she had on me. Bear witness to one another in God's providence. Okay, here's the third thing, motivation. What, what does the psalmist say? What shall I render to the Lord for all the benefits that he has shown to me? What shall I render to the Lord for all the benefits that he has shown to me? God's providence in our lives motivates us to want to render to the Lord. Lord, I want to serve you because of the way that you have blessed me. You have, you have watched me all the way. I, I look back on my life and I think about how people have invested in me. And I realize that that is a, is a picture of God's provision for me. God is invested in me through people. And what does that make me want to do? It makes me want to render back to the Lord what has been done for me. I, um, I, I think that, that, that sort of the, my concrete experience of call to the ministry, which had been building for many years, really came to a culmination under the preaching of the word. A PCA minister was preaching on Ephesians 1 at a youth conference when I was 14 years old in Tampa, Florida. And he was, he, he, basically, he was preaching on the doctrines of grace. And, and even though I had memorized the shorter catechism, I was an Arminian. Uh, in other words, I, I thought that my faith and my repentance is what caused me to be born again. And so, naturally, I was struggling with whether I really had faith and repentance and thus had really been born again. And I learned from that minister preaching from Ephesians 1 that before, God, before I had ever reached out to God in faith, God had already reached out to me in grace. And I realized that the reason that I had believed is because he was already working by his grace in me. And that was transformative to me because I had struggled with assurance of salvation for years. Well, let me tell you, from that point on, I thought, if that man can help me that much by preaching the Bible clearly, I want to help other people that way so that they can be helped. So the, knowing God's providence in our lives, knowing God's goodness to us, it motivates us to render back to the Lord what he has done for us. So that's one way to respond to this great passage. And here's the last way, trust. Uh, we don't we don't just need to trust the Lord for how far he's brought us. We need to keep trusting the Lord until he brings us home. I, I, I love the line in uh, Come Thou Fount of, any, of, of Every Blessing where, where, he, where he talks, where he says, and safely he hopes to arrive at home. By, how? By thy good pleasure. Uh, by thy good pleasure, I hope, safely to arrive at home. We don't just need to trust God in the past. We need to trust him in the present and in the future. And realizing God's promise, providence to us in the past gives us help uh, in believing his providence in the present and in the future. Uh, there's, a, there's a song that's sung in the historic black church with, the, with this line. He never failed me yet. 
Now, that could sound like, well, I mean, he, he's never failed me to this point, but he might fail me sometime in the future. But that's not what the song means. The, the, point, the point of the song is, over and over and over, the Lord has never failed me in my life. So right now, where I'm afraid, I'm in trouble, I'm in a trial, I can trust that he will never, ever fail me because he's never failed me yet. That is, God's faithfulness in, pa- in the past helps us to trust that he will be faithful in the present. And we need that every day. We need that every day. As, as, as um, John Newton said, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and his grace will lead me home. We need his grace for the future, and we need to trust in that grace in whatever trial or tribulation uh, or difficulty that we're experiencing. And remembering his goodness to us in the past helps us say, Lord, you were faithful to me then. You'll be faithful to me now. I trust you. And look, the whole Christian life is walked by faith, not by sight. The Lord's going to constantly put us in positions where all we've got is him. And that the only way that we can enjoy comfort from him is how? By faith. By trust. Trusting him. That's the only way we will have comfort. So that's my encouragement to you. As you think on your 25 years together, and as you think of God's providence in your family and in your own personal life, be grateful. Testify to others about it. Use that as motivation for living the Christian life. The Lord has been so good to me. How will I render thanks to him? And use it as an opportunity to increase your faith. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. We need to live by trust in the Lord. May the Lord bless you for the next 25 years and until he comes as you do these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time in your word. Bless the word to our hearts. Encourage us, we pray. Bless the ministry of this church, the officers and the members. Keep them close to yourself and bring them home. In Jesus' name, amen.